You are listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. Psalm chapter 1. We're going to read this whole psalm, and the, the part I want you to think about is uh, this line in verse 2 that says, the, His delight is on the law of the Lord, to be delighted on the law of the Lord. So, turn to Psalm 1, and we are in the habit of not putting up on the screen the scripture to encourage you to turn there. So if you could find that, that would be great. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, goes something like this. Blessed is the man. How many of you have this memorized from as a kid? Anybody? Oh, look at the hands. A couple of you. Sweet. Uh, it's a very popular psalm to memorize. It says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on this law he meditates day and night. So that's the verse I wanted you to pay attention to. His delight is on the law of the Lord. And today we're continuing our sexuality series, Sexuality in the Bible, and specifically talking about uh, the law of the Lord versus cultural norms. And so it says, this person uh, of the faith, his delight is on the law of the Lord. And on it he meditates day and night. Verse 3, he is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in and out of season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like the chaff. The wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the seat of the assembly of the righteousness. For the Lord watches over the way of righteousness, the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray this morning. God, we do come before you and um, as a holy God, we want to, de- to delight in your ways. We want to delight in who you are. God, we love you. We praise your holy name. We do believe that your law is better than any other law or court- cultural norm of today. We, and we seek to serve you and please you and worship you. We love you, Lord. And everybody screamed. Amen. Amen. Well, let me start off with a story. And... Um, it has to do, it's kind of sad in some ways, about um, the differences between the law of the Lord and cultural norms. It has to do with, uh, I was listening to the radio a couple weeks ago on my way to work. I live all the way in Manitou, and so driving up here, uh, I get some time in the car, and I usually listen to books on tape or try to spend my time wisely. But I think my iPod wasn't working, so I turned on the radio and was listening to a silly morning show, um, and people were calling in. They were asked to call in and brag about um, a time you've hooked up with someone sexually and no strings attached. And so people were calling in, like girls were calling in. It's like, oh, yeah, I met this guy at a bar and we hooked up. It was awesome. Went back to his place. It was awesome. And the radio hosts were like, awesome. That's so cool. No strings. Way cool. And I was just like, whoa, this is, this is, the ra- this, like, this is really happening right now? People are bragging about this? And one guy called in, and the radio host, at the end of his story, they were like, wow, dude, you won. You got the best story ever. And he called in, and he said he, he has been having this affair since he was in high school. And his parents, uh, he's, he lived at home, and his parents had this foreign exchange student from England, and they used to sneak into each other's rooms. And then after she moved on and graduated, he moved on and graduated, they both uh, married uh, their different spouses, so they both are married to other people. And yet every year... Once a year, they get together and they have sex for this weekend. And they have a long weekend and they get together. And it's been going on for 10 years. And I was just shocked that that the radio hosts were like, yeah, dude, that's awesome. If I could high five you right now through the radio, I would. That's so great. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is... 
Like, does no one see the repercussions of a 10-year-long affair that started in high school? Now you're married to other people and still this ongoing affair. And I, I bring up that story, the shockingness of it. Hopefully it's shocking to you as it was to me. Say that the cultural norms today about sexuality are obviously so very different than the law of the Lord. And that's today's, as we wrap up, today's the last Sunday of June. So next uh, Sunday, we will start a series, a different series to give you a hint of what it's going to be about. We're going to talk about legalism. So be prepared for that. But we're wrapping up our topic of sexuality in the Bible today. And I just thought, um, what an important thing to talk about because our society views sexuality so differently than we as Christians that follow the law of the Lord. So anyways, welcome officially to the Mill Sunday School. Um, there's little cards on all your table that are like this big. I ha- um, and if you want to fill one of those out, you can and bring it to the nice people in the back as you leave. We have a gift for you. If you want an email or me to call you, I will. Just check those boxes and I'll say what's up to you. And uh, I'll tell you more about small groups. There's on every table should be a small group flyer that has a list of groups uh, that, that are for college and 20-somethings. And so if you want to go to a group, find one of those groups. There's a really good one on there called $5 Mission. They're all really good, but the $5 Mission just celebrated their five-year anniversary. And if you, how many of you have ever been to $5 Mission? Oh, sweet, lots of hands. So basically, it's a, kind of a cool small group. You show up to McDonald's uh, downtown, on Wasatch and Platt, and you bring $5, and you buy $5 worth of hamburgers. Everybody that comes does this. And and then you bring those hamburgers to America the Beautiful Park, and they've been doing this for five years now, every Sunday night, and they feed homeless people. And it's really not about the food. It's more about the community and the fellowship and sharing a meal together that has lasted a long time and helping people out of homelessness and out of addictions. And so it's really cool. So as far as like one specific small group you need to check out at least once in your life, that would be the one. So anyways, uh, that's that, small groups. Let me um, talk about this. On the back of your notes, if you want to turn over your notes, there's a quote by Martin Luther. This is the Martin Luther of the 1500s that started the Protestant Reformation in many ways. And it's kind of a funny quote, I think, in some ways. Martin Luther said, the reproduction of mankind is a great marvel and mystery. Had God consulted me in the matter... I should have advised him to continue the generation of species, fashioning them out of clay. (laughs) So Martin Luther wasn't very uh, high on sexuality. I told uh, some other pastors this morning, they said, hey, Joe, what are you going to talk about at the Mill Sunday School? And I said, oh, sex. And they said, oh, are you for or against it? (laughs) And I said, well, I've actually, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. I said, I'm really for sex. And I think... We as Christians, our first response to sexuality should be, sex is good. We shouldn't say, oh, sex is bad, sex is evil. We should say sex is a good thing and then qualify and quantify that. Say sex within marriage is a good thing and sex with many partners is a bad thing. Uh, But I think our first reaction as Christians is to say that sex is a good thing. And we, over the course of a couple weeks, uh, like three weeks ago, we talked, let's see, one, two, three, four, five four weeks ago, we introduced our topic of sexuality and we asked the question, is sex before marriage wrong? And we pulled that question apart and we played the devil's advocate. And then we, towards the end of the lesson, we said, okay, if you do believe in God, do you believe that the Bible is scripture and the word of God? Well then, and, and you do believe that whatever God thinks is wrong is in fact wrong with those, uh, 
points under, as a foundation of what we believe, then we, we, we did say, yes, sex before marriage is wrong. And then the next week we talked about um, the, kind of a history of sexuality in the Old Testament, New Testament, what Jesus said. And then we talked about the early church. And then next week, Matthew Ayers was here. Was anybody here when Matthew Ayers talked about homosexuality? Uh, a very important talk for our day, and we'll talk a little bit more about that today. And then last week, uh, Dr. Doug Wise was here. And I heard it was really good, and I heard, <laughs> I'm just surprised any of you are back this week. I say, he told you to get into groups and talk about the last time you masturbated? Is that, did that really happen last week? It's like, only Dr. Doug Wise can do that, and it's an important question, and, and so we won't do that again this week. That was last week. Uh, don't worry, uh, I have a couple discussion questions, but they are not personal at all. And so this is, uh, I don't know, that last week was last week, and this week is this week. And so, <laughs> how many of you were here last week? Oh, look at all the hands. And you're, and you're back. So, so obviously it was a good message, a challenging message, a message that made you vulnerable, but a, a message about sexuality and lust that I think Doug Weiss has a very prophetic a voice into our society, and he knows what he's doing. He's, he's got his doctorate in psychology, and he counsels people that are addicted to different types of sexuality, whether it be pornography or affairs, and he does that daily, and he knows what he's doing. He's a very strong Christian. He's a member here, so um, I'm glad he came and talked. So this week, today, um, we're going to talk more about this divide between the law of the Lord and social norms. So I have a discussion question for you, and then I'm going to figure out my laptop so I can get these slides going. Um, but the discussion question is this. I just want you to talk about at your tables. If you're at a small table, invite yourself into a bigger table. Uh, don't be shy. The more, the merrier. And talk about just this difference. So it's not really a question, just kind of a, a statement. I want you to talk about this difference between the law of the Lord and cultural norms. So that's kind of the discussion question. What is the difference between society, what they believe about sexuality, and what we believe about sexuality as Christians and followers of Jesus Christ? So that's the discussion question. Ready, Gazette, discuss. All right, I have um, a microphone. If you wanted to share this, uh, and I got my uh, PowerPoint thing to work. So the question is up there. Talk about the divide between the law of the Lord and our cultural norms when it comes to sexuality. Um, I realize this is somewhat of an awkward question, but I have a microphone. If anyone would like to share, I'll give it to Josh, who will run it around. Anybody? Any, oh, yes, Miss Crow. Like, um, like our culture says nowadays it's okay to have sex before marriage. Yeah. But then in the Bible it says... God's law is like, no, you're supposed to save yourself for marriage. Sure. Because then when it comes to like your wedding day, you don't have anything to give to that person because yeah. you've already given it all away. Good. Thank you for getting us started. So this idea of uh, even like the, the joke of like waiting till you're married to have sex is just like, it's just so unheard of. And there's even, I, I'm thinking right now of the, the movie that came out, 40-year-old version. Any version? Anybody seen that? I don't know that that's a good movie to go see, but... Um, it's just like the, a mockery that someone would wait until they're 40 and then get married and wait to, get, to have sex. It's just ridiculous in our culture. Any, anybody else? Yes, Ms. Shailene or Ms., Mr. Uh, Burton. Um, the other, I guess, um, difference between the culture and God's law is that the culture believes that 
it's no big deal. Everyone does it. It's like breathing. It's just like breathing. It's just, it's, everyone does it. It's just like. But God's law is, is the the man will leave his father. The holiness of sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. Man will leave his father and mother and be with his wife and the two will become one flesh. Yeah. And if someone goes around and, and continues to do that, you, you bond yourself emotionally, physically, and spiritually with that person. And you just keep doing with other people. It's like you're, it's like what you said in the first week of the month. It's like uh, the rose being passed around and having that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Burton. And Shailene. Um, what we kind of came to at our table was that uh, in the culture, it's it's normally very selfish. So um, anything to do with their sexuality is like, what, what can I do to... Um, please myself or to um, anything like that but with the Lord like even with Jesus and his bride he came to be served not no (laughs) wait he came to To serve serve not to be served exactly I'm such a good Christian Um, (laughs) so even with that like in a married relationship so yeah if if I was married like it would be my pleasure like a desire to serve my husband, yes. and if he's doing the same thing, then we're yeah. both being fulfilled, and there's no selfishness coming from that. Yes. So. Thank you, Ms. Shailene. The word I'm thinking of to, to end our time of discussion is this word, hedonism. Have you heard this word before? It's, um, and, and this is exactly what Shailene just said in, in, a, in a nutshell. This, the definition of this word, let me read it for you. Ethical hedonism is the idea that all people have the right to do everything in their power to achieve the greatest amount of pleasure possible to them. It is also the idea that every person's pleasure should far surpass their amount of pain. And this type of hedonism uh, is usually given credit to a guy named Aristippus, who was a student of Socrates, who came up with the idea of hedonism. So it goes way back to this ancient, you know, 300, 400 BC uh, idea of seeking pleasure in your life. And our culture is all about that. We say things like, oh, go chase your dreams. Uh, Do whatever makes you happy. We have the right to happiness. And the culture is usually very down on us as Christians who would say, well, you know, maybe we should seek the Lord first, like what Shailene was saying. If we're seeking the Lord, well, then we're not seeking our own pleasure first. And however you look at it, our society thinks that's pretty silly, that we as Christians would delay pleasure, specifically in in the context of sexuality, and that we would even judge other people for not following the law of the Lord, um, our culture just thinks that's ridiculous because our culture is very hedonistic, and that word maybe has a lot of baggage with it, but it's a very different word. The opposite of hedonism, um, there's lots of opposites. One of the opposite ideas would just be something called delayed gratification. That's when you delay pleasure. You wait until the right time. So this ridiculous idea, at least to our society, they would say this ridiculous idea of waiting till you're married to have sex would be delayed gratification. And since our culture is very hedonistic, they would think that's ridiculous and insane. But there is a lot of um, health to waiting. And I think a lot, if you sit and think about the Christian life, a lot of what the Christian life is, is this delayed gratification. We are waiting for the Lord to return. We are waiting 
for sex until marriage. We are waiting. We go through, maybe many of you have done fasts. We are waiting in this time of suffering and fasting for a time of feasting when we can celebrate. Um, We are waiting. We are delaying um, our our time and spending time in prayer, and then we will delay, you know, doing something fun later because now we're spending time in prayer. Um, So this delayed gratification is a big part of the Christian life. There was an experiment uh, a couple years ago in the 60s and the 70s. Maybe many of you have heard of this experiment. It's called the Stanford Marshmallow Experiment. Anybody ever heard of this? Oh, lots of hands. Cool. So I first learned about this experiment uh, when I was uh, an undergrad student and taking my Psychology 101 class. Talked about lots of famous experiments, psychological experiments um, that had happened. And this one is one of the most famous. In the 60s and 70s, there was this guy. His name is, uh, I wrote his name down, Walter Mischel. And he got a bunch of kids together, like four-year-old kids, uh, average age of about four years old, pre-K kids. And got him alone in a room and said, here you go, kid, here's a treat. And so I have a cookie. I got it back there. He, he would usually do the treat with the marshmallow was the normal treat. That's hence the name, the Stanford Marshmallow Experiment. But he also used cookies or pretzels, depending on what the kid really liked. Um, and so he'd give this kid, this like little, imagine a little four-year-old kid, gives him a cookie <clears throat> and says, I'm going to leave and then I'm going to come back and if you don't eat the cookie when I leave, when I come back, if the cookie's still here, I will give you another cookie, double cookies, if you wait. And so this little kid is given a cookie, and if you YouTube Stanford Marshmallow Experiment, they've redone this experiment, and they've YouTubed it and filmed these little kids' reactions, and it's just priceless because the kids are like, you know, like smelling it and like, licking it and like try, they're just like uh like they're just like in agony trying not to eat the cookie while the uh the instructor is gone and some of them in fact two-thirds of the kids two-thirds of uh four-year-olds eat the cookie before the instructor came back some of them waited a minute some of them waited 14 and a half minutes and then the instructor came back at 15 minutes so uh brutal for that kid but um two-thirds so think about this for just a second two-thirds of the kids ate the cookie before the instructor came back. And the instructor was only gone for 15 minutes. One-third of the kids <clears throat> waited and then got the double cookie after the instructor came back. And here's what's really interesting about this experiment, because that alone would just be like, okay, cool, who cares? One-third of kids can wait, two-thirds of kids can't, who cares? But then this guy, Walter Mischel, um, did, this, did like uh, other studies. So he waited like 10 years and then tried to figure out, okay, what are these kids like? How successful are these kids that are really good at uh, delayed gratification versus these kids who ate the cookie right away? And what he found um, in, in psychology, some people would say that the greatest, so this is somewhat controversial, but many psychologists would say one of the most significant indicators of later success in kids is their ability to delay gratification. So this guy, 10 years later, 15 years later, when these kids are in their late teens, uh, he, he, he like did a series of tests. He's like, okay, how successful are you in relationships? How many friends do you have? How, so how, what's your body mass index, your BMI? Uh, what's your grades? What was your SAT score? Um, just like how successful are you in life and what society deems as success? And what he found was that one, th- those kids that were able to delay their gratification uh, for 15 minutes and not eat the cookie or the marshmallow, 100% of them were successful 
by the standards he used. And the other kids, the two-thirds uh, of the kids that ate the cookie right away, um, they were not as successful on average. They, lots of them were not successful. Lots of them had low SAT scores, low grades, etc., etc. Pretty fascinating study, uh, and, and hence one of the most famous psychological studies out there nowadays. So there's something to be said about delaying gratification. And here we are talking about sexuality, and I think there's something that goes along with these words, this idea of a righteous suffering. When we delay gratification, because of what the Lord wants us to do. This law of the Lord that says, wait till mar- marriage to have sex. This law of the Lord that says, um, sex outside of marriage is wrong. This law of the Lord um, that, that, that gives us some amount of de- like delaying our gratification for a later time. So I will talk to guys sometimes, uh, quite a bit actually. As a pastor, one of my roles is to, to meet with men and have accountability relationships and ask them how they're doing. I will often ask a guy, uh, it'll come up in our conversation, either he'll bring it up or I'll bring it up. Okay, how are you doing with internet uh, pornography? And I've had a couple conversations with guys over the years, Christian guys who love the Lord, believe in the Bible, who are, are really asking the question, okay, what is so wrong with pornography? You know, you know, he, this guy might say, you know, I'm not married, I'm lonely, I have physical needs, you know, it's not hurting anybody. What is so wrong with pornography? And I'll say, well, if you believe in the Bible, and, and they'll say, yeah, I believe in the Bible. Well, Jesus clearly says, you know, don't lust after another person. Who, he whoever lusts uh, has already committed adultery with that person. So it pretty clearly says in the context of the Bible that this is wrong. So therefore, righteous suffering, this suffering that happens by waiting, this suffering of, of delaying gratification till later. I have a friend, uh, so adultery is a pretty big deal in Russia, and I know this because I have a friend named Johnny Bennett, and uh, he is a missionary to Russia, actually was a missionary to Russia. He got kicked out of the country right before the Olympics because of all the security uh, tightening down. They kicked out a, a lot of Americans that were there for missionary reasons, and him and his wife Uh, Johnny and Lisa got kicked out of Russia. They're back in the States. Now they're going to be missionaries in Tajikistan. See if you can find that on a map. Um, But they came over to our house, and we shared a meal together. And he said, uh, somehow we got to talking about Sunday school, and we were talking about sexuality. He said, you know, something is interesting. Every culture has this sin that they just, like, close their eyes to. And in the United States, he said, that that might be homosexuality. But in Russia, it's adultery. And he says... The, the commonality for a man to commit adultery is just ridiculous. Um, and I, found, I was like, really? And I found on, uh, online a study that was done in Russia that said that 40% of Russians believe that, there's, that adultery is never a mistake and that there's nothing wrong with it. So 40% compared to Americans who only 6% say there's nothing wrong with adultery and that it's never a mistake. And so in Russia, my friend Johnny was telling me that, that a man can just have an affair, and that's considered totally normal. They would say, oh, a man has needs, and of course a wife can't satisfy all those needs, so he needs to look elsewhere. That's just the norm in Russia. And, and as a Christian perspective, we'd say, adultery is clearly wrong in the text of the Bible. So even though you, you meet someone who is not your spouse, and you might fall in love with this person, and you want to be with them so much, and you, all you can think about is this person, all you can think about is how happy this other person would make you, from the context of Scripture, from the context of the law of the Lord, we would say, well, righteous suffering. 
there's, yes, you're going to suffer because you can't be with this other person and you are already married. And there's a suffering that's going to happen that because you're saying no to that instant pleasure and saying yes to the Lord, but that's something that I'm, I'm calling righteous suffering. And those two examples lead into this next example of uh, gay marriage. And Matthew Ayers did a great job two weeks ago breaching this subject and talking to us about it. Um, but I've met Christian, uh, I've met a few Christian guys now that um, are new lifers. They would say they're gay or they're struggling with same-sex attraction. They, would, they might communicate it in different ways. And they're really asking the question, like society says, be happy, get pleasure, um, be with someone you love, no matter the costs. And, and the law of the Lord is different than that. The law of the Lord says that homosexuality is wrong. And that's something I mourn with people about. I've had conversations with guys and they're like, I'm just, I'm just gay. I've never been attracted to women, they might say. And they would, they're, they're really asking the question, so, so I can never get married. I can never have a relationship with a person I'm attracted to and I, that can never be sexual. And I would say, yeah, that, that, I'm grieving with you. That is sad. And I think that's a role we as Christians may, I don't know, maybe a, a role we need to take more often is grieving with other Christians who have uh, same-sex attraction and saying, yeah, society says there's nothing wrong with it. Every state is going through uh, uh, um, legalizing gay marriage and it's becoming perfectly okay. And yet the law of the Lord says something different. And it's something I, I think if we grieve more with people who are same-sex attracted and gay, I think that's a, a, maybe a good stance. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry that that, that that is the case for you. And there's a grieving um, that ha- has to happen, but there's a grieving that has to happen with any sort of delayed gratification and any sort of waiting for this pleasure to be fulfilled later on. So here's another discussion question for you. Um, thinking about this, thinking specifically about uh, sexuality, although this question's a little bit bigger than that. Um, I want you to discuss at your table, what are the tempor- temporal, temporal means, means like today, right now, uh, in following the law of the Lord. We've just talked about righteous suffering. It's like, oh, if you're going to follow the, the, the law of the Lord, that means wait till you're married. That means uh, don't do this and don't do that. But what are the temporal rewards? Are there any? Specifically, uh, if you wanted to get to specific, specifically when it comes to sexuality, what are the temporal rewards in following the law of the Lord? So discuss that for just like two minutes, and then we'll continue. So ready, cassette, discuss. All right. Um, I have a microphone. I'm, I'm sure I'm uh, ending some of your conversations a little abruptly, but uh, does anyone want to share what they talked about at their table? Miss Sasha? So one thing that I heard marriage talked about was how it's the masterpiece of God, like marriage is his depiction of the bride of Christ and us as his church. And so um, that, and then how Michelangelo, I think, did the David statue and how that's such a masterpiece and people would never destroy that. Like that is his pinnacle of his entire career. You're not going to go rip arms off and like cut his head off or anything. But then we, as a culture, look at marriage, you know, not as this masterpiece of Christ, but we tear it apart all the time in whatever yeah. way that looks like. So one of the rewards of living under the law of the Lord is being his masterpiece and being whole in that. And, you know, being like, we yeah. are a masterpiece of the creator. That's like, how cool response. is that to think about it? Yeah. 
Thank you. That's a very thoughtful response. Anyone top that? <laughs> you do, Stephen. It's not going to top it. Yeah, I shouldn't have said that. We we talked about a bunch of things, but one of them is just a clean conscience. Yeah, not having that shame that shame on. Yeah, know, there on is ourselves. like shame, that, and we'll we'll end Sunday school with this idea uh, that that a lot of sexual mistakes bring about such a horrible shame, and that shouldn't be. Christ is here to relieve us of shame and take away our sin. So we'll come back to that. Thank you, Stephen. Yes, sir. Uh, the first one that popped in my head was just the fruit of the spirit, self-control, and just yeah. you know being able to not let your flesh rule over you and like the whole verse of just saying like I beat my body and make it my slave like not allowing something that's not eternal to rule yeah. over you you know being eternal and being you know set apart for something else so yeah yeah the verse um we read this we started off with Psalm 1 if you were here and we read that verse that um the that there is a delight that comes with the law of the Lord. Um, the law of the Lord brings delight. And I think about all the laws of the Bible. There's quite a few of them. Um, and specifically, I was thinking about like the Old Testament laws and specifically the food laws and the uncleanliness laws. Like if you uh, touch someone who's unclean, you're unclean, you need to go wash. Rules like uh, don't make your bathroom within your camp, make your bathroom outside your camp. Like these are just helpful rules in life. Um, that are just good. And, and uh, when Jesus came and then gave uh, this vision to Peter in, in the book of Acts, there's this God made all things, all animals clean. But in the Old Testament, let's say 10,000 BC, were there refrigerators? No, I mean, they had like the mini fridges, but they didn't have like the big ones yet. Um, so there's like laws about what food you can eat. And if you've ever had trichinosis poisoning, you know that pork is probably an unclean animal. If you've ever been sick from like dinoflagellites in seafood, you know that without a refrigerator or a freezer, eating pork and seafood are pretty dangerous, unclean things. And so the law of the Lord, following the law of the Lord, you won't put your bathroom inside your camp and get sick from cholera and E. coli. You won't eat pork and get trichinosis. Like the law of the Lord is a good thing. It does bring delight. And like what Sasha said, the law of the Lord, um, with withholding this uh Delaying the pleasure of sex for later in life when you are married brings about delight. And here's the other side of that. So there's uh, a righteous suffering, and then there's a suffering from unrighteousness. And it's the mistakes. Steve said um, the, the conscience, that, that you're like your, your conscience is, convicts you of mistakes and this unrighteous suffering that is so horrible and destructs a life, specifically when it comes to sexual sins. And so last week, um, I was in Haiti with Dr. Foley. Wave to us, Dr. Foley. Dr. Foley's back there. Uh, Wave again. He's a really cool guy. Um, So here's a picture of this this surgery room, and we're in there like taking selfies and stuff. Um, So Dr. Foley is an OBGYN, and he got to, how many babies did did you deliver? Six? Five? Seven. I got to see, I think I got to see four or five of those babies. Uh, one C-section was twins, and then three other babies get born. And um, what a delight it is. Has anybody ever seen a baby get born in real life? It's, or maybe you've, you're a mom and you've been there, done that. Um, it's, a, it's a really cool thing. And it's a really cool thing when uh, babies happen within a strong marriage, a strong Christian marriage, and what delight that brings. The uh, children are an inheritance of the Lord, a delight from the Lord. I think it's Psalm 127. 
But then there's suffering that comes with, um, there, of course, there's suffering with unwanted children. There's suffering from um, diseases that come with unprotected sex with an unclean partner. And one of the, the, the lots of surgeries were done on, in this week. There was a medical mission trip and um, there was like an orphanage that we helped out with that I did a lot more with. And then at the hospital, I got to pray with everybody. But uh, while surgeries were happening and Dr. Steve was doing surgeries, we had an option of like watching. And that room was the only probably the only room on the entire island, Laganov and Haiti, that we went to that was air-conditioned. So people were going in there just to, like, see surgeries and to get air-conditioned because it was, like, uh, what, 95 degrees, 100% humidity. It was pretty hot. Anyways, one of the mornings, uh, Dr. Steve did a a surgery on a young girl who, I think she was 16 or or 17, 18. Um, She's young, had many sexual partners, many sexual partners who were unclean. She had AIDS. Uh, it's very sad. Uh, she was, she's going to end up dying of that disease. And she also had uh, HPV, human papilloma virus, and very painful like genital warts, apologize if you're still eating, um, that needed to be removed. And they were described to me as green cauliflower. Sorry about that once again. <laughs> and so I went to the orphanage that morning instead of watching that surgery. Um, but this this poor girl, this young girl with AIDS and HPV uh, was in surgery. I wasn't there, but heard later on we had, we had debriefs every night where we shared uh, just stories of what happened and how God worked that day. And Miss Diane, who's a, a doctor as well, Mr. Miss Dr. Diane, who's uh, Steve's wife, was saying she speaks the language down there. And as, this, as uh, the surgery was happening, this, this poor young girl was screaming uh, in pain, and she was screaming out for her mother. And I just thought, what a sad, what an what a, an example in some ways of an unrighteous suffering. This girl, this young girl had had many sexual partners, and in, in some ways, like receiving the, the, the suffering of, of unrighteousness. And in this moment, um, just that, that horrible, I mean, that's a pretty extreme example of, of an unrighteous suffering and, and pain and suffering because of a wrong choices, specifically sexually ones. Um, and so to conclude, I, I, I just wanted to, like that story, it just stuck with me um, as, as I heard it. And Diane, Dr. Diane was sharing the story of this woman in surgery, screaming out for her mom. And um, I wanted to conclude with this idea that the, the church should be more like a hospital. And that's why, that's what this image on the cover looks like. It's hands uh, holding out the gift of love. And that's uh, the, 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 the cross. There's a medical symbol. And this, this image of the church being like a hospital goes back to like Augustine, I think is one of the first people to say it. Like he was born in 354 AD. This idea that the church needs to be more like a hospital. And going back to the story of the, the girl with AIDS and HPV undergoing surgery, crying out for her mom, uh, there were, was some of our team um, from New Life in that room with this girl, some, some nurses and some girls, like holding her hand and comforting her, praying over her, uh, stroking her forehead, and, and as she's crying out, giving some sort of comfort. And no one in that room was like, had the attitude of, well, you know, you made your bed, now you got to lie in it, or, you know, you reap what you sow. No one, no one said that. And I think as a church... I think it's silly when we, you know, 
pile on condemnation to people, whether they be homosexual or whether they be adulterers. I think let God do that. Let God be the judge, especially for those outside the church. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? But you be the judge of those inside. So when Christians make a big deal about outside the church and heaping on condemnation for people who aren't even Christians, I think, no, maybe that's not our place. Maybe it is sometimes. I'll let you be the judge. But let's be more like this. Let's be more like a hospital that takes care of people, that helps people receive forgiveness from shame. And I'm sure that this whole month of this topic of sexuality, if you've listened to these lectures, these sermons, um, I'm sure there's a lot of you that are maybe just feeling shame and condemnation. And my point of talking about sexuality this, this month was not to pile on condemnation for you, but to say that Christ forgives sin, that this place, the church, is like a hospital, a bunch of sick people coming, and there's some of us that are healthy sometimes, but even the doctor needs to be treated. Um, and we can be like a hospital, taking care of people, providing treatment spiritually and, and socially and emotionally for people who bring shame into their life and who are full of shame. And so um, as we close, I just want to pray a prayer of um, just realizing this bigger picture that, that we are God's, that God can cover us of any shame, sexual sins, and mistakes, that we are His. Um, so Lord, we come to you right now. We pray to you, Jesus. We pray for your covering to be upon us, as, as so many of us in here um, have pasts, as so many of us in here um, have been people that have renewed a, a vow to wait until marriage. Um, Lord, as so many of us have, have, have grave mistakes when it comes to sexuality. Lord, would you cover us? Would you allow us to give you ourselves, our bodies, everything, who we are, our sexuality? Lord, you are God. You are in control. And Lord, we delight in the law of the Lord. We delight that there's a righteous suffering, and that suffering will produce good things in our life when we wait and delay gratification. God, you are a good God. We worship you. We praise you. We love you, Lord. And everybody said, amen. Well, you're dismissed. We're ending a little early, so meet some people you don't know. And then usually a lot of us go over and sit in section 10 together. So do that if you're new. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Mills Sunday School Podcast. You can find more information at www.themillonline.org.